Okay, okay, okay. Good evening, good afternoon to everybody. Happy Good Friday. I know some people be saying, "Was good." well, it was a good Friday for us that believe <laughs> in our creator and have a relationship with him because this is the day that he sacrificed himself for us. But the thing I like about it is he didn't stay there. He didn't stay in the ground. He got up. And that's even more exciting. However, I welcome you to a word from the word ministries. I'm Evangelist Benny Riddle. And I'm glad that my co-founder is able to join me this afternoon. Say hello there, Pastor Mobley. Good afternoon to the church. <laughs> and we are about to go into Revelation, the third chapter, and the seventh verse. We're going to be picking up there. We're talking about the church in Philadelphia. But before we get started, we're going to open with prayer. We're going to pray as the Lord taught in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, and he said that when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Y'all know the drill. Get your smartphone, your dumb phone, your iPad, your laptop, your PC, your hard copy, wherever you have your word. Then you get your pencil and paper. You're ready to take notes. Then you go back after this broadcast is over. You go back and you read it again for yourself, and you read it with purpose. And that purpose is asking the Lord to show you what it is that you need to learn from the lesson, not nobody else, but you. We are responsible for ourselves. We can't be, you know, saying, well, this one got that fault, and no, 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 no. It's about you. And I remind you once again, when we speak about the church, we're not talking about brick and mortar. We're talking about people, us. Yeah, we are the church. Okay. I'm going to pick up and read uh, the passages that we'll be discussing today. So that will be Revelation 3, verse 7 through verse 13. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. 
I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hmm. All right. Before we start this lesson, let's recap for a second. We've talked about the church at Ephesus where they left their first love. Yeah. Yeah, they got excited when they were first saved. They was excited and they was wanting to do it, but somehow or another that love kind of waned away and they started drifting off into another direction. And the Lord told them, look, you need to come back to me. Repent because you're straying too far away. The church in Smyrna, church in Smyrna was a faithful and true church. One of the two that the Lord did not have to say, you need to repent. The church of Pergamos was a compromised church. Yeah, they had some Christian folk in there. However, some of them Christian folk in there had to went off into different doctrines, worshiping idols, and that was not good in our Savior's eyesight. The church of Theatira, it was a corrupt church. This church had what you what the what the word called this woman named Jezebel. Not saying that this woman's name was that. However, she, this individual, had the acted like Jezebel and proclaimed herself to be a prophetess, and she wasn't. Okay. However, this woman was leading people down the road of destruction. And the Lord said that he would punish her because he gave her time to repent, and she did not. And all of them that was committing adultery, all, yeah, and, 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 and immorality with her, they too would be punished. He said that he would kill them with death. Mm. Wow. The church is Sardis. The church is Sardis, A. 
they were spiritually dead. We talked about them yesterday. They were spiritually dead. Yeah, they had the, the numbers. They were growing numerically. They were growing economically, yeah, financially. Uh, but the church in Sardis was living off of their past reputation. And the Lord was saying, look, you can't do my work living off of your past uh, reputation because people give you this name and they said that, you know, you was just on fire church, but you're dead. You even think of yourself like that. You need to stop it and wake up. (laughs) So he told them to repent. Today we're going to talk about the church in Philadelphia. And as I just read the passage, if you notice, he does not tell them to repent of anything. So this is the second church. Two out of five churches, I mean, say, out of seven churches, are the only ones where they remain faithful and true to our Creator. Now, Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. And it's funny how when we hear in this Western world and what would be called modern times as compared to the ancient time, we have a city in Pennsylvania right now named Philadelphia. And it carries the same meaning, brotherly love. Isn't it amazing how (laughs) they brought that meaning with that name to this particular country and state? Because it's supposed to be the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia... It's the youngest of the seven cities, and it had a lot of Greek culture in it. It was originally, as they say, it was founded as a missionary outpost for Hellenism, and Helen was... I believe she was like a queen of Greece. No, or she was a goddess because like we studied in the in the past churches, the cities where these churches are, they had a lot of Greek and Roman temples to the Greek and Roman gods. Philadelphia was a, was a prosperous city, and the reason being is because is because she sat right on the highways, the 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 the, the uh, trade routes, and if you notice, like we said about the other churches, they too had trades coming through. Uh, markets, buying and selling. They were built 
on the seacoast a lot where the ships would come in with the merchants and their different merchandises. So Philadelphia sat on the highways that led from Europe to the east. So you could say that Philadelphia was like the gateway from one continent to another, <laughs> almost like what they say about St. Louis, about with us and our arch, saying that we are the gateway to the West. In, in the last part of, well, we'll say the middle part of verse 7, Jesus describes himself to the church. He tells them, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now, you know what? I love that because When the Lord opens the door, he does it in such a way where nobody really expects it to happen, <laughs> but boom, there it is. And no matter how the world tries to close that door, it don't work. It don't work because he, leaves, he opens that door for us us true believers that's doing, and, and he's, when he opens that door, he allows us to walk through it because our blessing is through that door. That's the way I look at it. When he opens the door for me, that lets me know, okay, it's time to move. Your blessing is on the other side. Continuing your work is on the other side. However, when he closes doors, hmm, when he closes doors, nobody, you and nobody else can open it. When he closes that door, that means do not enter for real. You can try all you want to to try to open that door. Nope, it's not going to work. It will not work. So he says, these things says he who is holy, he who is true. This is just the Lord reminding that church of who he is. And these things that are being described about him are not what we would call tendencies, but it's the way he is. He is holy and he is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, we just talked about that. He is the keeper of the keys and the doors. He don't load those keys to nobody. <laughs> um, there's a quote in Isaiah, the 22nd chapter, the 20th through the 23rd verse, and it says, Then it shall be, then shall it be 
in that day that I will call my servant Elakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. Jesus is expressing his power and his authority. And he's showing who and how he admits and then how he excludes. And you know what? I'm glad that I am one of those that he admits and not excludes because to be excluded, that means that you're on the other side of that shut door and no, I don't want to be over there. Uh Uh-uh. In verse 8, Jesus, just like all the other churches, he always told them, I know your works. He always starts with, I know your works. And this lets us know that there is nothing that we can do that he don't know. We cannot hide from him. We think that, you know, we can um, get away with stuff and he don't see it. No, not so. He sees everything. And this is what he tells them. I know your works. I've seen what you've done. I know what you've done. He said, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. This is the Lord telling them that you have an opportunity here. And if you're speaking on a spiritual level, that opportunity, that open door, is speaking about how they have a time for evangelism. Okay? They were being evangelists in this area, excuse me, without having to travel because the people came to them. Okay, example. With them sitting where they are and say, me and Pastor Mobley, we're there. And here comes some people. And we share the word with the traders and the merchants as they're passing through. We share the word with them. Well, guess what? No, they're not staying. They're going to go, and, and okay, when we share the word and they um, give themselves to the Lord wholeheartedly, 
when they travel, guess what? In their travels, they are going to tell about the Lord and how he saved them to somebody else. So the Lord is telling them, you have an opportunity for evangelism, even though you're not moving. Because, see, in, when we talk about evangelists, this is an e- individual that moves and preach from one spot to another, uh, doing revivals in the city over here, doing a revival in the city over there. But the Church of Philadelphia didn't have to do that. They were sitting in the crossroads. So whenever anybody came through and they were worshiping and praising and teaching, people got saved. And when they left, guess what? They told their story. They told about how they went through this town of Philadelphia and these people preached to them and taught them the word. And guess what? I am a Christian, and I invite you to be one too. (laughs) When God sets an open door of evangelistic opportunity in front of us, sometimes we don't see it. However, as we go on, Eventually, we will see that that door is open and we have an opportunity to do what we have to do. I have a lot of uh, uh, truck driver friends, and I know at least two of them are Christians. And whenever I talk to them, they always talk about how they have the opportunity to witness to others at that truck stop, in a restaurant, or wherever. They're in that city for a moment, they spread the word there, and they move on. Because guess what? These are truckers. They got a roll. So, yeah, they are. They have that opportunity. They got that open door in front of them. But then the Lord said that no one can shut it. No, nobody can shut that door. Not at all, because, see, when he opens it, it's unhindered. Nobody will be able to close it. Nobody. Then he told them, In the next section, he tells them, for you have a little strength while for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. These people You could say, yeah, they might have been weak, but they were still strong.
humble because the Lord used them. In the world's eyes, they would appear to be weak, but in the Lord's eyes, they were strong. They had some strength. And the Lord recognized that. The church in Philadelphia, they didn't they weren't beside themselves. You know what? We can get the big eyes and the little U's and, and sometimes what we sometimes say, you're so holy, you ain't no earthly good because when we had a big head, the Lord can't use us. But the church, they had enough humbleness in their spirits to know that they really needed God's strength. They knew that they couldn't depend on theirs and nobody else's. Then he says to them, you have kept my word and have denied and have not denied my name. They were faithful to Jesus and his word. They didn't deny his name and that okay, with that idea not only did they how could we say it? Not only did they express their loyalty to Jesus, but also they lived it. That's what, what the Lord was telling them with the church in Sardis. You got to wake up. <laughs> you got to wake up. These people were awake, and they lived their vision. They lived their mission. They preached it. They talked it. They walked it. They, they, they preached it. They talked it. They walked it. Every chance that they got, they expressed their allegiance to our creator. It's a bad thing when you deny somebody. If we go back to another scripture, okay, and 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 who is that? Peter. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, and the reason why I'm going there is because not because this was Holy Week, but because this is what the Spirit just dropped in. When he was when the Lord was going when they when the Roman guards got him and. He was going from judgment hall to judgment hall, and the Lord had already told him at the Last Supper that he was going to deny him three times. So guess what? It did happen. Peter did deny the Lord three times, and guess what? Peter had a serious guilt complex behind that. He was scared because he knew that if he... <laughs> had owned up to knowing our Savior, that they would have took him into captivity too. So each time they asked, hey, don't you know the man? No, I don't know nothing about him. 
But guess what? The church in Philadelphia, they didn't do that. Do you know about the Lord? Yes, I do. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you how faithful he is. Let me tell you how, how, how you can rely on him. You may not have, be as strong as you think, but he'll come through and he'll hold you up. Hmm. So, no, they didn't deny him, and they kept his word. They lived it completely. In verses 9 through 10, the Lord is telling them what he will do for the Christians of Philadelphia. He said, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Wow. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know what I have loved, have know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Wow. As we have been studying down through these churches, the Lord always talked about the synagogue of Satan and how these people acted. They were immoral. They were committing sexual adultery, spiritual adultery. Uh, uh, oh, man, just some of everything going on wrong, okay? Here the Lord is talking about how some of the Christians were going to the Romans, okay, or whoever was in authority, was going to them and what we would say today, ratting the other Christians out. Yeah, turning them in. And these people would be persecuted and executed in some cases. So that's what he says, yeah, I will make the synagogue of Satan, those folks that turned y'all in or trying to turn you in, who say they are Jews uh-huh, and are not, but lie, see, because you're not what you're saying that you are. They were only Jews by name, not by their faith, okay? And then he said, I will make them come and worship before your feet. This is a promise that he would or he will. He will show that his people are true, and he will make sure 
that our persecutors, when I say our, I'm talking about us, us Christians, yeah, us king's kids, he will make our persecutors recognize they're wrong. Mm. And that we're right. <laughs> you hear me say a lot that I speak the truth and then I'm done with it because the truth does not need defending. It'll stand on its own, okay? Eventually, whoever your persecutors, excuse me, are, will realize, oh, man, they're right. It is like the way they said it is. Yeah, it is. Because we have been taught by the best, our creator. And he's not going to lead us in unrighteousness. He's going to lead us to all righteousness. So, yeah, they're going to have to come back and, and as it says, suck it up and say, I'm sorry. Now, we know that some won't ever do it, but some of them will. The persecutors will come back and say, you know what, I shouldn't have did that because you are true. Just picture, just think about our Savior being on the cross. And even before he got to the cross, Pilate even told the people, I find no fault in this man, but they yell, crucify him anyway. But now here he is on the cross. He about ready to give up the ghost and die. And when that happened, the heavens reacted. The earth reacted. And the Roman guard, one of the Roman guards down there on the ground, had to say, surely, this must be the Son of God. Really? He had been telling you that all along, and you didn't want to believe it. But he finally realized, whoa, this is the man. This is the, He is what he said he is. Yep. Uh-huh. So we, I have had situations of where I've spoken the truth, got persecuted, sure did, for speaking the truth. However, those that persecuted had to come back and say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have did that. You were telling the truth. And you know what? Sometimes you want to look at them and go, duh, but, but you can't do that. You have to say, okay, you're right, and, and accept that apology because we do have to forgive. And he was saying to them that these people that are your persecutors, they're going to realize it, and they're going to realize just how much I have loved you. When 
things come up, when our enemies try to tear us down, when our enemies try to destroy our gospel teachings, the Lord ain't going to let them do that. He shows, as we say, he'll show up and show out. He'll show up and just let them see. No, this is my beloved right here, and I love them dearly, and this is not going to happen. Don't you understand? I protect them. I protect them because I love them. And you and no devil or demon from hell is going to destroy that. So his love is shown to the outside world and to the spiritual world, that we belong to him, and he's not going to let anything happen to us. Those of us that continue, like the church in Philadelphia, to be faithful and true, continue to do your good work, and do not let anything sway you from what you're doing. Then he came back with a promise. He said, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. He is promising us protection. We will not have to. Now, some people say, you know, when the Lord come back, you catch up to church, and that's a whole other teaching on that. However, what I'm looking at is this. He will protect us because some of us may get left behind and I want y'all to understand that it's not a crime, okay? But the crime is if you sell out. That's the crime. Um, those of us that will be remaining and we're still teaching and we're still trying to bring souls to salvation, the rest of the world may be going through the tribulation. And that's the trial. But he said that he will protect us from that. He won't let us suffer through that. Our ways will be made. Our provisions will be given. And then the world is going to look at us and go, how are they doing that and this, this, and this? Because that's him showing another way of how much he loves us. He says to test those who dwell on the earth. We as humans, this is where we live, okay? We live here on the earth. Yes, we do. But a lot of people would say that this passage is referring to the rapture, 
They say when the Lord comes back to get his church that we won't be on this earth to deal with the tribulation. And and from what I read in the Word, that tribulation is going to be a terrible, terrible thing. And those of us that remain, we will have to remain faithful. This is the reason why he tells us to hide his word in our hearts because there may come a day that we won't be able to read a Bible. So we got to have that scripture in us, in our memories, so that we can continue to teach and preach. And I know I'll probably raise some eyebrows on that one, but so be it. So he will protect us during that tribulation. We'll persevere through it. We'll work our way through it. We'll live through it. Why? Because he protects us. Yeah, he might, some of us might get killed. Yes, yep, yep. But guess what? We still have the joy of knowing Our Savior loves us, and he protects us. In verse 11, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. We need to be living each day as if we are looking for the Lord to crack the sky. That's the reason why he tells us to hold fast. We are to be looking for him at any given moment. He said, I'm going to come quickly. He didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to just meander on down from heaven and I'll come on down there. No, 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 no. Because, see, when the Father tells him go, he's coming. So we need to be having our eyesight set on heaven or looking up, not down, because at any given moment he could show up. So we need to hold fast our faith. We need to keep doing what we're doing. When those opportunities for evangelism happen, we need to step through it. We need to do it. We need to know that the Lord is our strength because we rely on him. We need to remember and tell others about his faithfulness, that he keeps his word. He will not leave us or forsake us. These are the things that we need to continue to do because guess what? At any given moment, any given moment, he could pop up. So when we wake up every day, we ought to be waking up saying, okay, Lord, I'm doing my, I'm going to do my job today for you because, hey, you, this might be the day you come back, and I don't want you to catch me not doing 
what I need to be doing. That's an old song that, that we used to sing in our choir when I was growing up. And it said, we're crossing over one by one with fast approaching life setting sun. Don't let him catch you with your work undone. We're crossing over one by one. Now, see, when we was a kid, we sung that, and the junior choir sung it to march in on to get to the choir stand. Did we understand what that song was saying then? No. But guess what? As I lived and still living, I see, yes, we are crossing over one by one, and we are fast approaching life-setting sun. And no, I don't want him to get catch me with my work undone. That phrase right there. Because, see, oh, he ain't coming today, so I won't do it. No, and that'd be the very moment he show up. Well, guess what? You out the game then. So each day we wake up, we ought to be looking and acting as if this is the day he is coming. Then he promised a reward. He said, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. Now, as we have talked about these cities with the Greek with the Greek and Roman uh, uh, buildings, temples, all right, we have to understand where Philadelphia set. Philadelphia was in an area where they had a lot of earthquakes, okay? Um, when I looked at it, that thing, the, 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 the fault line, ran from Turkey, modern-day Turkey, up through that area, okay? So there's a, there's a huge fault line, and Philadelphia sits on that. If you ever noticed how when you, when, if you look at any of the historical documentaries, um, and they're showing the ancient buildings, the roof is gone, uh-huh, but those pillars are still there. Those pillars were the strength of that building. Everything on top of it that fell down on the ground, uh-huh, but those pillars are still there. So this is what he's saying to them, I will make you the pillars in the temple of my God, guess what? You have shown me your strength, your stability. You've shown us. You've shown me this. So guess what? You will be a foundation. The pillar is the foundation. It's supporting. When we tell about when we we even make mention of it in in our modern churches. Oh, this is the this is the, the one of the pillars of the church right here. That means that that individual 
then stuck and stayed through everything that church's ups and downs. Yeah, they're my pillar of strength right here because the pastor knows that if nobody else in that building he can rely on, he can rely on that or those individuals. He shall go out no more. Guess what? When you're that pillar, you don't have to move. You're stable. In an uncertain world, we're stable. The world looks at us like, why you ain't flipping out? I don't have to. With this pestilence that's going across this nation, I read about it. I hear about it. But guess what? I don't fear it because I know who protects me. So, no, I'm not flipping out. And some people wonder, how come you ain't acting? Why should I? I don't have control over that. But I know who does have control. So I'm letting him do what he needs to do. Girl, look, uh-uh, you better get you this. No, I don't need all of that. He protects me. He's my pillar of strength. I know he's not going to let me down. And the Lord said, I will write him the name of my God. I will write him, write on him my new name. Here we go with the names again. The overcomer will be received. He will receive many a name of God. He will be identified. We will be identified. Because why? Because we are pillars and we are close to him. And then he concludes it like he did all the other letters. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Those of us that have a spiritual ear, we need to hear what he is telling us. We need to be encouraged by what we hear from him. Let us be encouraged like this church in Philadelphia and the church in Smyrna, regardless of whether you got it rich or poor. Hey, that was another song too. The song was called Christ is the Answer. He's the answer. You can be high, high or low, rich, rich or poor. But Christ is the answer for you. So having said that, I am now going to flip gears right quick. Pastor Mobley. Yes, ma'am. You got any comments, sir? Well, a job well done, sis. I want to greet each one of you as we rejoice in God our Savior, for he is Lord to the glory of God our Father. And as this letter is written to the church in Philadelphia, notice here how verse 10 for today's date, even though it's in the third chapter, but it's on the 10th day, 
and the number 10 in scriptorial hermeneutics just simply means is the number of law and order, is the number of government and restoration, but it's also the trial, the testing, and the responsibility that is placed on us. And notice how it's played out in verse number 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Can I say this prophetic word is being lived on this 10th day of this fourth month in this 20th year of the year 2000. Can I speak this word of truth today? As the Lord has blessed us to live 101 days thus far, and we only have 265 days left in this year, that with what is going on, not just in our country, but all around the world, wherein everybody is helter-skelter based on whose voice are we listening to. And here right. it is, Jesus speaks to this church in Philadelphia, and that's what caught my attention. He made it clear from verse number 10, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Didn't I just tell you that, that that's the number 10 based on law and order? All of us might have to go through some trials and some testings to prove us or to prune us that it's going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth that still haven't found who he is. And that's our commission as this church in Philadelphia has been spoken to by the master. He's still saying to us on this 10th day of this fourth month in this 20th year of the year 2000, I'm coming soon. By here in verse 11, he's still telling the church, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He's still saying, him who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the question comes, whose voices are we listening to in this season? What spirit is directing or leading us? Is it really the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God? Is he ministering unto each one of us individually as well as co collectively? Because this word he's yet speaking on today's date. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. But since you have kept my command to endure patiently, 
I will make them come fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Lord, have mercy. And these are the words of him, jumping back to verse 7, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And that's this word today. I, it's his job well done with this word, but I see it as a right now seasonable word on yes, today's day to remind every single one of us we may have a little strength, and that's all we need. He's given us just enough of what we need to endure hardness as a good soldier. He's not going to put more on us than we're able to bear. So, therefore, if you hold down your corner, I'll hold down my corner. If we just uphold the bloodstained banner of our God, if we just stand even after we've done all to stand, yet standing in the liberty where Christ have already set us free. I believe this word is to cry out for the church of the Lord, the church of the Lord that we are, that he's raising us up by those really who have no right to. Lord, have mercy against those who have. Have mercy, Lord. And then the key is, is that will we answer the call for the law and order and government and the, that is not of God, Lord have mercy, but be able to stand as a witness for God and say, this is what the Lord says. This is what the scripture says. This is what Jesus says. And I don't know no better time than in this season where the whole entire country and the whole entire world around hey. us is dealing with the exact same thing, and here it is, nobody, hallelujah, can direct or can give instruction except God through his word, and what he's saying to us is to remain faithful. Verse 11, I'm coming soon, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And that's what we need to do, that master number. We need to hold on to what we have. Don't matter about how small it might be. Don't don't don't, don't get yourself all caught up because you haven't been to school, haven't been, you know, studied all of these languages, the Greek and the Latin and Aramaic. Don't don't be concerned about all of that. We we, we got enough who are well educated through man, but we need some education, Lord have mercy, by the power of God to do what Jesus says for us to do. They kept his word. They were faithful to his word. They did not deny his name. If there's ever a time we need to do it, it's a right now season. The old folks used to sing the hymn, Must Jesus Bear to Cross Alone and All the World Go Free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me, the consecrated cross I bear until death has set me free. Then I'll go home. A crown to wear, for there's a crown for me. I trust and pray that today all of us will be able to say that and be a witness of knowing that he's still saying, I'm coming soon. 
while he's still saying, I'm coming soon, hold on to what you have. Lord have mercy. And I'm going to quit this because I feel like Holly. So, so here, this, this word you get from all the job with the church in Philadelphia, and God knows every single one of us must value this word from the Lord. We got to hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Let him be our great example. Let him be our only source of joy and strength and peace that's found in the Holy Ghost. Let him be the only rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And stop trying to seek the approval of man. Stop trying to seek the approval of others. No, no. God made you just who you are. And it and is without any entitlements. He calls you by your name. Lord have mercy. And it is his name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God our Father because he promised I'm also, I will also write on him my new name. Lord have mercy. So he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm done, sis. Don't, don't, don't mean to take over. Glory to God. But that, 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 that's what I think. My, 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 my. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. We all mm-hmm. want to be like Smyrna in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We have to be. We, we, we want to be. You know, uh, uh, I heard this one preacher say, yeah, we all you know, want to relate to the Church of Philadelphia. Yeah, we do. Um, mm-hmm. But guess what? Like I said before, and like Pastor just got done saying, it's not the brick and mortar, it's us. Come on here. That's the truth. It's us. Mm-hmm. And we have to remain true, and we have to remain faithful. Yes, we do. Yes, Lord. Do we have any other questions or comments to be made before we close? Sister Riddle? Yes, This is um, Sister Juanita. You said something that caught my attention when you said um, spiritual adultery. Um, You caught my um, attention on that one. Can you explain that one? Okay, spiritual adultery. Okay, it's just like, okay, Sister Juanita, you and, and, and Brother L are, are husband and wife, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so if you or him went out and had an affair with somebody else, that's adultery, right? Yes. Okay, on the spiritual side, we love the Lord. We say we love the Lord, okay? But when we go running off after other doctrines, you know, worshiping the idols and not worshiping him, doing all of those immoral acts that that some of these churches was doing, that's the spiritual adultery. We're not being true to him. Mm. We're letting something else drift us off, pull us off. Okay, we say, you say you love Brother L, Brother L say he loves you, so that means that y'all are supposed to be true to each other. 
Okay. That's on the physical side. Okay. Spiritually, we say we love the Lord and the love of the Lord loves us. We're supposed to be true to him and not let anybody or anything pull us away from him because we know how good he is to us. We know how much he loves us. But when we let, but when we let other doctrines come in or or other lifestyles come in, um, just like with the church in who was that uh, Theatira, when they had the woman Jezebel that was, you know, leading them in 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 you could say orgies, okay, you know, okay. they were doing all kind of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And some of those, and some of those people that got caught up in that were Christians. So guess what? They were committing spiritual adultery because they know what the rules are. If we say that we love the Lord, we're going to do everything in our power to stay true to Him and not leave Him. That's what I meant by the spiritual adultery. When we go in off, okay, another example. The Lord told Israel, the children of Israel, that they were going off whoring, okay? That okay. Means that after he done told them not to blend or mingle with these other folks that's, that's around there that's not of them, but they chose to do it anyway because, you know, if we read about the children of Israel, every new kind of thing that came up, boy, they wanted to try it. After the Lord told them, quit, don't do it. <laughs> but they decided they wanted to do it anyway. So, therefore, he said, you done went off a horn after other doctrines, after other things, after I done told y'all not to do that. The children of Israel is the prime example of spiritual adultery every which way you look. They knew what the rules were. He gave them the rules. They knew they know what the law was. But guess what? I'm going to go over here and I'm going to worship Baal. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to worship Zeus. Oh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to worship Athena. Well, guess what? The Lord said, I am the one true and living God. Hey, you don't put no other gods before me. And this is what, that's what I meant by that. If we're going to be, if we say that we love the Lord, we are going to do everything in our power to stay true to him. We're not going to break the rules because we know what the consequences can be if we break the rule and go wandering off like that. Thank you so very much. I received that. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'm glad. Thank you. Do we have any other questions or comments?
All right, then. I thank you all for calling in. I'm glad that my, my co-founder, Pastor Mobley, was able to be with me today. Amen. Um, sir? Bless you. Thank you oh. for having me on. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. Man, look, I've been missing you over here. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> for real, for real. I've been missing you. Sister Nadine, you got something to say? No, ma'am, no. Um, only thing that that I am going to say, being that you call my name out, is God bless you once again. I thank God for you. And God bless you too, Pastor. Good to hear you. Love you. Thank you. Thank this you. evening. Love you more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Mobley, once this, this call is over, I need to talk to you right quick about another part of the lesson. But I, I appreciate you all being with us this afternoon. We will be, we won't be broadcasting, um, we won't be broadcasting this weekend because it is Easter weekend and we know that people be wanting to spend time with their families. And I know I'll be spending a little time with mine, even though they say, you know, no social gatherings. Well, guess what? My little unit over here on this side of the world, we ain't ten people. So I'm going to go celebrate our crisis rising with my children, with with my two daughters and my grandbabies. Um, So we'll be picking back up on Monday, and we'll be talking about the church the Laodicean uh-huh. Church. Yeah, Laodicea. <laughs> yeah. Man, look, sometimes them names get my tongue all twisted, I'm telling no, you. No, don't worry. You get by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad y'all understand, all right? Amen. Uh, my, my. We'll be picking up with the Church of Laodicea. Uh, uh, that'll be... Revelation 3 and verse 14. Pastor, if you don't mind, would you pray us out, please, sir? Father, we say thank you for blessing us to be able to gather together in your name and for this word today. Thank you so very much that Jesus has spoken, and he is the one who is keeping the keepers who are kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. So, God, our Father, thank you for thy word of truth today. Thank you for every listener. Thank you for our instructor today. Continue to speak to us the words of eternal life. And we rejoice in you now, for we pray for Israel that they may be saved And we pray for the church of the living God that we may be made one. So continue to save us out of it, dot, 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 whatever it is that might bring us to that place in you, that we might yield ourselves completely over to you. So we rejoice in you now, for we believe you by faith that the answered prayer is answered by faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. And remember, 
The Lord loves you, and we do too. Y'all have a wonderfully blessed weekend. Amen. You too.